Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today we're checking in with representatives from several arts organizations in Utah, with COVID cases not only continuing but increasing in many of our communities. How are arts organizations adapting? How can audiences support the arts while staying safe? We talked uh, with uh, about the arts during the pandemic in April. We're checking back in today. Later in this program, we'll talk with Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of Cash Arts, and David Sidwell, who's a drama uh, teacher at Green Canyon High School in Cache Valley. And we begin the program with uh, Craig Jessup, who's Director of the American Festival Chorus and Orchestra. Dr. Jessup, welcome uh, back to the program. Good morning. Thank you. Great to be with you, Tom. Good, good, to, good to have you on. Uh, how are things going uh, with you? Are you still a lot at home during the pandemic? Yes. Uh, we've tried to be really um, cautious and, and careful during this time. And uh, though it's been a big life change for us, in many ways it's been a very positive lifestyle change for us in spending more time at home and a little less stress in our lives, not as much on our social calendar. Uh, Certainly we miss contact with seeing our friends more often, and we really miss, I miss making music. But this will will pass. It's going to take time. But we found other ways to uh, compensate for these inconveniences and... uh, so we're we're going forward. I mentioned that program in April. We, you know, the pandemic was just getting started. Um, we checked in with several arts organizations, and the, the, a lot of uncertainty. Didn't know, and then, and then, of course, many seasons got this. This year got canceled, um, and uh, and now we you know we're finding a lot of arts organizations are adapting, including your own. Right? You're, I think you're doing virtual uh, concerts. That's right. It's 13 years ago, this November 11th, that we did uh, the the American Festival Chorus did its very first public concert, and it was a free concert, and it was to honor veterans, the Veterans Day concert. Because I'm a veteran and because of my years of service in the Air Force, this is something very dear and very personal to me, and uh, I often feel that our veterans are often ignored, and I just have made it a goal to, as long as I can, as long as I can breathe, I will use this opportunity to honor and thank our veterans and their families who sacrificed so much. So we're creating, we have created a virtual concert. The American Festival Courses have been meeting every Wednesday night in Zoom for one hour, and uh We've been rehearsing, and uh, they've been preparing. They have been recording their parts at home on their uh, cell phones and then send them in, and we've mixed them all together. And, Tom, I have to say, the final product is incredible. I'm so proud of everyone. And we will air this Wednesday evening, the 11th of November, at 7.30 p.m., and if you go to our website, AmericanFestivalChorus.org, there's a link. You click on that link, and you can participate in our 13th annual Veterans Day concert. And uh, we're celebrating Cache Valley and the people of Cache Valley in a really wonderful way. 
in a way that we really wouldn't be able to have done in a live concert. And we have the potential of even uh, reaching more people through this. Because you can send and share this uh, address with your friends. It can be viewed all over the world. We're singing six songs, and we're honoring, we always have a guest speaker. We're honoring two veterans this year who are deceased. I had asked uh, uh, Gerald Purser, who's my neighbor and friend in Providence, and his wife Margaret sing and sings in the American Festival Chorus. He was going to be our guest speaker, and sadly, Gerald passed away in April uh, at the age of 90. He was such a vibrant part of our community and uh, how we miss him. He served as a young man as part of the old guard in Washington, D.C., our nation's oldest continuously serving military corps. And he served at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. He was one of those guards. And uh, we have a special tribute to Gerald that's being delivered by the commander of the Army ROTC unit, uh, Major Sorensen. And then we're honoring a tech sergeant, Max Lauer, who left to uh, join the Army Air Corps in 1943 and was lost in action and whose remains were never found and was returned home just a year ago. His sister, Helen Simmons, here in Logan, was 14 years old the last time she saw him. And uh, some may remember last fall, a celebrated and uh, honor return was given to him. And we have the Lieutenant Colonel uh, Reed, uh, the commander of the Air Force RTC, is honoring him. We're saluting both of these gentlemen. And, of course, we'll do America the Beautiful. We've got the Cash Children's Choir with us some surprise guests of the community singing This Land is Your Land, uh, the Cash Children's Choir singing a beautiful song called Sing from Sesame Street, uh, and the National Anthem, and a salute to the Armed Forces. Honestly, Tom, I think it's one of our best works, and we've all done it uh, virtually from our homes. So you don't want to miss this one. And uh, AmericanFestivalChorus.org is a place to go, I guess. Um, American yeah. Festival Chorus, lowercase, all one word, AmericanFestivalChorus.org is our website, and you can click uh, the, the link to our concert. You can also get on the King College of the Arts website as well on their concert series uh, because it'll be streamed there as well, uh, arch.usu.edu. And, and you can see this concert also. And then we're also now in the, in, we're putting together a Christmas concert. Yeah, I noticed uh, as that. As well, that'll be shown December 16, 17, 18. And uh, we're excited about that. And we're going to do some filming around the valley, including downtown, Salt, downtown Logan, Utah, uh, on Center Street. Uh, Mayor Danes has been really wonderful in co- collaborating with us on that. So we're going to keep these true t- traditions. COVID will not stop us from doing our annual Veterans Day and our Christmas concerts. And again, through our website, AmericanFestivalChorus.org, or through the King College of the Arts website, arts.usu.edu, you can stream these and watch. And I think you will be blown away 
by the quality uh, and the and the visual beauty. And this is all homegrown right here in Cache Valley. I could not be more proud of our singers and their dedication. So COVID or no COVID, we're still singing. We'll find a way to, to make our art. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, I just want to follow up on, on, on this. So the, the Veterans Day concert, for example, uh, the, the members of the chorus and orchestra in their homes recorded their parts? And, and orchestra. Yeah, we, we recorded the orchestra as well. The orchestra we recorded in a studio down in North Salt Lake, and my dear friend uh, Kurt Bester helped me with this, and Meredith Campbell, who's our concert master. We were able to contract uh, many of the instrumentalists of the American Festival Chorus, and they were all isolated in booths so that it was. we followed all the protocols of COVID safety to do this. Then we took this uh, track of uh, the orchestral track, and we added to that eight voices so that when our singers recorded home with headphones, they could hear singers singing with them with the orchestra, and then they record and photo and film themselves. I, I, if we were a TV show, I'd give you a sneak preview because <laughs> it is fantastic, Tom. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah. In every way, and... I just, I couldn't be more proud. Uh, so, um, you know, obvious what's been lost, right? There's an energy of a bunch of people together, uh, participating together, uh, you know, chorus, orchestra, yourself, audience. There is a special energy. Um, and so that's lost. But what, what's gained, do you think, with this kind of a performance? An, an intimacy. For example, we do This your Land is Your Land. And instead of going from coast to coast of the United States, we went to every corner of Cache Valley. And with the beauty of drones, you'll see the more, most magnificent features of the valley. But we salute also uh, our, our health care workers, our firemen, our policemen. We go to some uh, wonderful, beloved Cache Valley enterprises like Bluebird chocolate, and our chocolate makers are singing and making chocolate. We go to the Ellen Eccles Theater, and we see uh, Michael Ballum, and we see um, Wendy Hassan and her staff. We go out to Angie's, and we see Sabor and his wife, and his dishwashers, and her servers, and his cook. Uh, it's just absolutely charming. I mean, and it goes so quickly. You want to watch it three or four times. But the most important thing, we, we, we go out and see that our, our farmers, our agriculture, we're out with a drone flying over a tractor plowing up a field with the wells drills in the background, uh, a cowboy riding on his horse. Uh, it, it, it's, it's really beyond what I thought it could possibly be, Tom, and celebrates who we are. We've got Lee's Marketplace shelf stockers stocking toilet paper in, <laughs> in the video. It's it's. It's really a wonderful. And then the Cash Children's Choir remind us that the reason our veterans serve their country, have served the country and continue to serve is for the love of this country and the love of our families and our children. And uh, to hear these voices of the Cash Children's Choir under Jaron Putnam to sing, sing, sing a song, 
sing out loud, sing out strong, sing of good times, not bad, sing of happy, not sad. Don't worry if it's not good enough for anyone else to hear. Just sing, sing a song. There won't be a dry on the house and a smile on their face while their tears are swelling up in their eyes. It's so charming. And then honoring our, our deceased veterans and honoring our country. It's going to be a pretty special and an intimacy uh, of coming into your home that we could not get in the concert hall. So there are pluses, Tom. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I notice uh, on the website you have a couple of concerts uh, in May. Uh, wh- yeah. Where you're presenting these as, uh, you know, you're hoping to present these as live concerts. There's an asterisk. I'll read oh, this. Yeah. The presentation of live concerts contingent upon the latest guidance of USU Bear River Health Department, the state of Utah. So I guess that's just, uh, it's kind of in limbo, but you're, it's, you're hoping. Totally. It's totally in limbo, Tom. Uh, and we, we don't know because we're going to, we're really all committed to com- bringing people together to fight this, the spread of this disease, and we take it very seriously. So uh, we'll just wait for the guidance from public health officials and from the university, and we'll follow their advice. Uh, finally, Dr. Jessup, what, um, I wonder if you talk about, and we've talked about this before in this program, but it, you know, especially timely now as the, as the pandemic continues and seems like it's going to be with us for a while, um, what's the importance of, of arts continuing, even under unusual circumstances? What does arts do for us? Through good times and bad, Tom, the arts are as the expression of the human soul. They're cathartic. They give voice to our emotions often emotions that can't be expressed through any other means than through the arts, through music, through theater, through dance, through the visual arts, through painting, through sculpture, uh, and, and, the, and the video arts uh, as well. Um, the arts are the signature of humankind. What do we have left of the ancient Greeks and the ancient Egyptians? More than any other thing, we have their arts, their architecture, their sculpture, uh, Renee and I were recently in the Middle East. We were in Egypt and visited the Valley of the Kings, saw the pyramids. We were in Israel and, and saw the ancient structures in that incredible city. Um, but it's the arts that are what left of these civilizations and will continue to resonate through the ages. And we put our brick in the, in the cathedral as well and leave our imprint, and hopefully, if it, if they're around in 2,000 years from now, won't that be an incredible thing, Tom? Yeah, de- definitely, definitely will. Well, uh, tell us once again, uh, Dr. Jessup, uh, when uh, when can people view the Veterans Day concert? Veterans Day concert is Wednesday, November 11th, Veterans Day, at 7.30 p.m. Go to AmericanFestivalChorus.org. And you'll find the link to our Veterans Day concert. There was an ad also in the Herald Journal this morning publicizing it. Or go to arts.usu.edu and through the King College of the Arts website, you can press and get the link as well. 7.30, Wednesday, November 11th. I hope everyone will come right to your home, right in your living room. And there'll be something for everyone in the family. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, We'll look forward to that. Uh, We've been talking with Craig Jessup, director of the American Festival Chorus and Orchestra. 
Dr. Jessup, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom, and happy voting day. Yes, happy voting day to you. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. Um, uh, Coming up after a break, we're going to be talking with Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of Cash Arts, and later in the program, David Sidwell, drama teacher at Green Canyon High School in Cache Valley. We're talking about uh, arts organizations and adaptations uh, to continue with the arts during the pandemic. Uh, Dr. Jessup mentioned Voting Day. We will have extensive coverage from NPR and UPR uh, tonight, um, right here, and uh, UPR coverage begins at 7 o'clock. Hope you'll join us uh, for that. More with Access Utah follows this. Support for Project Resilience Programming on Utah Public Radio is brought to you in part by our members and USU Center for Persons with Disabilities, working to create healthy, inclusive communities through innovative research, service, technical assistance, and education. Information at cpd.usu.edu. American voters will finally get to choose who they want in the White House. I'm running as a proud Democrat, but I will govern as an American president. Get out and vote. The red wave is coming. And an anxious nation awaits the results of critical contests around the country. Join us Tuesday night for NPR's special live coverage of Election Night 2020 from NPR News. NPR coverage all evening. UPR coverage begins at 7, Tuesday evening, right here on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and utahhumanities.org, improving communities through active engagement with the humanities. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Back in April, we checked in with several arts organizations. I wondered how they would fare during the pandemic and a lot of uncertainty at that point. Uh, It ended up with a lot of events getting canceled. Uh, But as we're all doing, arts organizations are adapting, and uh, we're checking uh, back in with some of those organizations uh, today. Uh, Coming up, we'll be talking with David Sidwell, uh, who teaches drama at Green Canyon High School in Cache Valley. Hope you uh, caught uh, last Friday their production of War of the Worlds, which we broadcast. Um, and uh, we have talked with Craig Jessup here with the American Festival Course and Orchestra. Right now we bring in Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of uh, Cash Arts. Uh, Wendy, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tom. Good to speak with you. Good, good to speak with you. Um, so I know Cash Arts is doing some very interesting things uh, during the pandemic, adapting, to, you know, doing the best that you can, doing some very interesting creative things. Uh, I wonder if you could do maybe just a couple of things that you are doing. Absolutely. And isn't that kind of the definition of this year? I think we are all just doing the best we can, given the changing circumstances that we have. So as a um, publicly owned facility, we have three historic cultural venues that we program that are usually used by about 50 organizations a year. And we would normally have 100 performances in the Ellenical Theater, 2,000 classes in our classroom space, And we have found ways to continue to operate, which has been such a gift. We have classes that are happening virtually, classes that are happening outside, classes that are happening inside uh, with distancing. Our artist gallery is finally adding a few more hours. They've been open Friday afternoon. This is a local co-op of artists, and they're going to be adding Thursday and Saturday afternoon hours now. So a great opportunity to support local artists. And then in the stage area, uh, 
we have launched a second round of what we're calling Random Acts Community Performances. So those performers who are able to safely rehearse and perform are coming to the Eccles, and we are opening the doors to very small houses with everyone spaced six feet apart, taking temperatures as people arrive, masks are required, and we're disinfecting the air before each show. None of them will be longer than 90 minutes, and there'll be no intermissions. And the point of those shows is to master getting good at the new protocols and to find some opportunities for artists to continue to earn a living. Any artists that are interested in participating, we actually have an application out right now, and we're taking them until Thursday and hope to announce the full slate of performances that will be between November 18th and December 31st on Friday. So it's a really fast, bootstrapped series of amazing performers. Yeah, sounds interesting. Uh, very interesting. Um, so as we talked to Dr. Jessup, of course, they've chosen to go virtual and it's some interesting things there, and, and uh, other organizations uh, going virtual, and that's an option. Uh, others are trying to do very carefully uh, in-person events, right? Uh, and, and <laughs> Absolutely, and there's a whole mix. There certainly is. And Cash Hearts is doing some of these in-person events. In fact, I was involved in one a couple of weeks ago, a podcast I've been involved in, uh, This Is Her Place, uh, Women's History in Utah, um, so that event, we had four people on the stage, one person projected by Zoom on the stage. Uh, I'm not sure how many people we had there, but they were they seemed to be spaced appropriately, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Masks we had on. about 70 folks come and join us in person, and we were so grateful to see everyone. But not everyone can come in person. We understand that. I understand. Am I right, Tom, that that's the first time your team has been in person together? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was that was quite the experience. I wondered how it would be personally. You know, I felt pretty safe on the stage, you know, distanced from you know, the rest of the folks, except for the people on stage with me. We were we were separated. Um, what was the I don't know if you talked to any of the folks who, who came. What was their their feeling? Obviously, they came. So they, they felt safe. Right. And no one left because they felt unsafe. Uh, we stayed and chatted with folks, and it was it's, people seemed to feel comfortable. But I should say that this is a time when we really need to make individual choices based on our own risk profile. And as arts organizations, we totally understand that. Sounds like we'll need to get uh, Wendy Hassan uh, back. Um, so the uh, the event that she was talking about uh, uh, coming up on Thursday the 5th, so this week, uh, that's the deadline for Random Acts, the second round of Random Acts submissions. Uh, dates are going fast, she says, so if you're interested, don't delay. Uh, performances will be between November 18th and uh, December 31st. And uh, so there's an uh, application process. You can go to Cash Arts. Uh, dot uh, org, I believe. Um, so, Wendy Hassan, I was just mentioning the Random Acts. Uh, what's the website? Is, is is it an org or a com or what is it? It's cashearts.org. Org. Okay, I got it right. Cashearts.org and uh, click on you can apply to be a part of uh, Random Acts, uh, the second round here. Um, so, um, you know, th- there are people who, uh, I don't know, maybe you've heard this, <laughs> people who will say, hey, Cash Arts. Why are you even having anybody in person? You know, why are you even op- offering this this option? Understood, understood. You know, there is a. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it in a roundabout way. Uh, 
there is a wonderful organization in Utah called the Utah Cultural Alliance, and they have a whole multi, like a whole social media campaign going on right now that hashtag culture your way. So you can find those ways to engage virtually, streaming, online, distance, uh, creative ways of engaging. Um, for us as a venue, we are very concerned about the artists still being able to make a living. So what we are doing is focusing on those things that we can do safely. And what we ask is that people engage somehow. First of all, obviously, be safe. You know, do what you need to do. And if that means for a while withdrawing and not being here in person, that's fine. But for those who can, we want to begin to restart things, provide, provide safe opportunities for people to come and engage in person, provide safe ways for artists to continue to make a living. And we'll scale those up as appropriate and scale them down as appropriate. But we feel that we are doing responsible things. We're going to be existing with this virus for a while. And so we're going to find safe ways to continue to survive and operate so that we don't lose our creative professionals. Of course, you uh, I know you had to make a decision with the latest spike, right? And and, and new guidance from from the governor, new new uh, guidance scale. Um, I know this because I'm reading an email from you to, 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 to you know, uh, members of Cash Arts. Uh, I wonder if you could take us through that because, because uh, on, I imagine it's, uh, I don't know, daily, weekly, or, or what you, you have to continually as an arts organization who has decided to invite people into the, into the theater, back into the theater, uh, have to continually make those decisions afresh, I would m- imagine. This is absolutely true, and if, uh, we are monitoring the situation on a daily and an hourly basis. We are very tuned into the guidelines, and two weeks ago, we got new state guidelines, which changed from a color-coded system to a high, medium, and low-risk system. They are now allowing us, as cultural hosted events, to be open with six-foot distancing and masks required, even in the high-transmission area. We are very fortunate in Utah that our state recognizes that arts and culture are a vital part of the economic recovery. And so just as you still go to the grocery store, just as you still have some things that you go out into the world to do, we're finding safe ways to do that. And the latest information hasn't changed. So some of the confusion comes from social gatherings, non-hosted gatherings, which right now in the high transmission areas of the state, which is most of the state, is limited to 10 people. Hosted events are limited to six feet apart and wearing masks. And we, of course, have to have event safety preparation before each event. The sense that I'm getting from the state is that their biggest source of concern right now are those impromptu gatherings that are not uh, planned to be spaced. And so we are continuing to operate within that. Uh, though I know some people have been a little confused about the way it's been uh, changed and learning the new languages that we use to describe it. Yeah, that limit of 10 people, I think there is a lot of confusion about that. Um, that's social gatherings. Correct. Right? And yeah. we have some families in Utah that are more than 10 people. So I'm sure <laughs> if you're already in contact with each other that it doesn't apply. But uh, the spontaneous gatherings are, are certainly something that they seem to mm-hmm. be concerned about and with the holidays it becomes more of a concern with colder weather. It becomes more of a concern. And we are hoping everyone will follow the guidance the state has laid out so that we can continue to operate in the organized events the way that we've been allowed to. 
So masks on, six feet apart, limited uh, numbers of audience, uh, you know, uh, there. Um, I know some people are concerned about anything indoors because of ventilation. Uh, talk to me about that. Absolutely. And um, there are ways of controlling the air in some spaces that we have. We've also been very grateful through Safe in Utah and um, Shop in Utah funding and some create, uh, sorry, CARES funding to uh, procure air sanitizers that will clear the air before each show. We're also taking temperatures at the door, which is not related to the air circulation, but certainly to kind of monitoring who's entering that indoor space. Um, with the colder weather, indoor is a concern. Many Utah arts organizations have adapted by moving things to parking lots, porch concerts, outdoor events, uh, storefronts, sidewalks, and that's going to be limited as we get colder. So we're finding ways to adapt and work with that air circulation to keep people uh, safe and the virus from being transmitted. Uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, the Utah Cultural Alliance and the Culture Your Way. That that seems interesting. I guess it, it it's a, a, a an appeal for for people to respond and and how they're getting their their arts. Is that what this is? Exactly, and just raise awareness that there are many appropriate ways to engage from those virtual opportunities to the in-person, and they're encouraging people to take pictures of themselves, engaging however they're comfortable, engaging for their personal risk level, and post those pictures using the hashtag CultureYourWay. There's a website that's a statewide event website that's also managed by the Cultural Alliance called NowPlayingUtah.com, and it has a whole series of events in the state that are virtual, and then it has in-person ones listed as well. I went in and just typed in what's coming up in the next seven days and came up with 356 events. That's post-Halloween and pre-Thanksgiving stuff going on in the state, ranging from everything from, you know, popping into the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art for a 360 view of their exhibit to getting a anthropology kit from the Museum of Anthropology to do at home to actually attending performances in live theater spaces. Um, it, of course, we, uh, and you've made reference to this, uh, Wendy Hassan, we're, we're talking uh, this part of the program, Wendy Hassan with Catch Arts. Um, you know, we've talked a lot here in this segment about safety, um, you made reference to economy and jobs, and uh, I'm just reading this uh, uh, from the Utah Cultural Alliance. Over the last six months, restrictions necessary to mitigate the spread of COVID-19 have severely impacted cultural industry. $55 million lost in revenue and uh, more than 30,000 jobs uh, terminated. I, I don't know, is that, uh, I imagine that's nationwide. The numbers, those numbers are Utah numbers. Oh, those are, those are Utah are numbers. June, and so we are yeah. now another four months into this. Uh, at the time, 1,662 jobs were lost in Utah, and 3,633 jobs were in jeopardy. And so I'm sure we've lost more. Nationally, we're looking at $42.5 billion in sales that have been lost and 1.4 million jobs, which is half the jobs. The arts are more sensitive to the restrictions we've put in place to control the pandemic than most other industries. And one of the challenges that we face is if we can't um, find ways to continue to operate, we begin to lose those creative teams. 
like I said, in Utah, we're so lucky that the legislature, that the governor have appreciated our role in the recovery. In some states, the restrictions are so tight that creative workers are looking at having to enter other industries or leave the state in order to continue to do what they're good at. And so we have to kind of look at what it's going to take to that long runway the arts has to get restarted and how do we keep teams together and people in the state and uh, preserve some of those high-skilled jobs that people have spent a lifetime mastering. Are we losing arts organizations in Utah, do you think? Permanent loss? I'm sure that we will. Mm -hmm. I am sure that we will. There have been... uh, amazing measures put in place to help us with the initial hit of this. Again, create in Utah, shop in Utah, safe in Utah, CARES funding, the payroll protection loans. Um, but the longer the longer this goes on before we're able to find ways to safely return, the more at risk those organizations are. What uh, you talked about uh, a long runway and and uh, keeping teams <laughs> together, how uh, what is needed? And it, I would say engage, engage with us. Um, I had a donor call and say, how are you doing? Do you need some extra help right now? And I'll tell you, I was in a puddle on the floor, just so grateful that they were thinking of us. There are organizations that get their entire revenue in like a four-week festival in the summer. If they miss that window, there's an entire another year that they need to prepare for in order to hit the next window. So I would say, again, take care of yourself. Find a way to engage. If you're seeing virtual programming and the organization isn't asking for money, send them some money. <laughs> if you were going to pay a ticket price, you know, give them some gift. It doesn't have to be large, but it could be something. Shop local. Shop in Utah. Um, if you've been watching the Met broadcasts or the wonderful National Theater broadcasts, What's happening locally that you can patronize so that you're, you're protecting those things that are happening in your own backyard? Instead of going to Amazon to buy a gift for someone, is there a local artist you could purchase art from? Is there a future uh, event that you could prepay for? Uh, those are the things I would really encourage people to do. Reaching the, near the end of this segment, um, I just want to have you talk about uh, the importance of the arts. Uh, you're, you're in the arts world there, um, and we were talking about losing potentially some arts organizations, how to support the arts. What uh, what does the arts do for us? I am such a biased person to ask because you know that I'll say that they're important. <laughs> You've had Craig Jessup on earlier, and I know American Festival Chorus is doing very innovative ways of going virtual, but they've taken it a step further. And so I'll answer that question with a personal story. Um, I had a chance to hear kind of an early version of one of the songs that they're preparing for the Veterans Day concert on November 11th. And my entire, all of the stress that I have been carrying in my back from the politics and the uncertainty and the work pressures that all of us are feeling right now, it dissolved. And I felt a lightness. And that is what the arts can do for us right now. Well, that's wonderful. That's a good place to end this uh, segment. Uh, Wendy Hassan is executive director of uh, Cash Arts. Uh, tell us again what what's coming. Random Acts is what's coming up next. Random Acts, November 18th through December 31st. There's still time for artists to apply through Thursday, and then we'll be announcing the entire series on Friday. Uh, CashArts.org, a place to go. Wendy Hassan, uh, thank you so much.
Thank you, Tom. And uh, we will take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with David Sidwell, uh, Sidwell rather, who uh, teaches uh, drama at Green Canyon uh, High School. And uh, we broadcast uh, their uh, student production of War of the Worlds uh, on uh, Friday. Hope you're able to catch that. We'll talk about uh, the arts um, on the uh, on the K through 12, these the uh, high school level, and adaptations and what's going on there following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members. And Devour Utah, a monthly magazine devoted to covering Utah's dining and drink scene, with a spotlight on cooking, local happenings, and libations. Available at newsstands or online at devourutah.com. I'm Senator Dan McKay. I want you to join us for both sides of the aisle from KCPW here on Utah Public Radio. A weekly debate over politics, policy, and current issues where I give the truth, Shireen says something, and Natalie tries to moderate the middle. Both Sides of the Aisle attempts to help you understand the important questions facing you, the residents of the state. Don't miss the conversation. Tune in Thursday mornings, 10 o'clock, here at Utah Public Radio. Hi, I'm Steve Williams, host of Jazz Time here on Utah Public Radio. I hope you'll join me Sunday evenings for a journey through the world of jazz music, from ragtime to bop, from Havana to Logan, Utah. Tune in for a bit of history, commentary, the occasional interview, and of course, all that jazz. Jazz time, Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah today. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about uh, arts organizations, arts in Utah during the pandemic, and adaptations uh, that uh, organizations are making. Um, and uh, we check in now with uh, David Sidwell, who uh, teaches drama at Green Canyon High School in uh, Cache Valley, part of uh, uh, the Cache uh, School District. Uh, David Sidwell, welcome to the program. Do, do we have you on? It sounds like we got uh, some difficulties with the uh, with the line there. Um, let's see, maybe we should um, reestablish the line here. Uh, David Sidwell, uh, teacher at Green Canyon High School, and as I've been mentioning, uh, hope you were able to catch uh, their production of War of the Worlds, uh, which we had on uh, on Friday Friday night. Um, and uh, I'm sure that many innovative and interesting things uh, coming down the pike uh, in that vein as well. Uh, so hopefully we can rectify the, the line here. Uh, David Sidwell, do we have you here? Yes, I'm right here. How are you? Uh, good, good, very good. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. I appreciate uh, that. Uh, I don't know if you're at school uh, today. Are we interrupting teaching time? Um, I'm actually, you're not interrupting teaching time, so... Okay. Okay. You. Very, very good. Uh, I've been mentioning the, your production of War of the Worlds, which we broadcast here in, on UPR. So thanks for that. Uh, l- let me start with that. Uh, how did that come about? Well, we were doing a live show of War of the Worlds last spring. Then uh, the pandemic hit, and we decided, well, let's just take it to radio. We're in the fortunate position where we can just do that. I also had stage technicians in a stagecraft class that could help with the sound effects and things. And so we just had two classes working together virtually to create that show. 
uh, you I had think to, turned out it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it does sound like a lot of fun. So you, you had people working together virtually, you say? Uh, people working together, and um, just uh, we had technicians looking up sound effects and doing some foley art on their own, and then of course the actors were busy getting their lines figured out. And then we would gather once in a while and start recording things, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, now, I guess maybe the silver lining from the pandemic would—I don't know if you would have done the the you know the radio portion uh, absent the pandemic. Yeah, that. Uh, let's see, you're cutting out a bit. Hello. Yeah. Yes, we've got you back now. Okay. Uh, I was just asking. Question, yes, yes. I was just asking. Um, that maybe this is a silver lining from the pandemic. I don't. Obviously, the stage uh, version of the play, but I don't know whether you would have done the radio version uh, if we didn't have the pandemic. We probably would not have done the radio version, but um, the stage version was going to turn out really fun as well. We would have had some really fun lighting, and um, it would have been really fun. But as it was, we were able to go on the radio. Yeah, fun too. So what are what uh, are you are you doing in the live productions uh, these days during the pandemic? Or are, the, are those canceled? Um, we have not canceled those. The district, as well as the International Thespian Society, has given us kind of strict instructions on on what to do in these cases. We have a show opening tomorrow, the Adams Family Musical, that goes till next Monday, and. Um, but when you buy tickets, you'll notice that there's a little buffer around all the seats. Um, we do require masks when you come into the theater. And we're trying to keep everyone at least six feet apart and wearing masks the whole time. Plus, we have a pretty good airflow through the auditorium as well. Mm-hmm. And it, Generally, I don't know if you get comments. People feel generally safe when they, when they come? Well, um, I think so. I don't see a lot of people at the movie theater these days, maybe for that same reason they don't feel safe. But they are coming to support uh, kids, and they're coming to support just a fun show. And maybe live theater's a little different. The theater's built a little differently. It's a little larger. Maybe there's room for air droplets to go out of the way or something. But like, like I say, we do have pretty good airflow. Plus, we don't sell any tickets at the in our lobby anymore. We sell them only online. So when you come in, you can just come in, sit down without touching anyone or anything. And then, of course, we sanitize all the seats when we're all done. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. Yeah, the, the, the movie theaters have suffered a lot. It might be, as you say, smaller spaces. People feel more comfortable in a larger space like a, like a theater. Um, what about, uh, what about the, um, your students? What about the, the kids? Do they, um, uh, talk a little bit about what, what this does for them to have a program like this, uh, you know, drama to, to, I, I guess it did in one way it would make you feel, uh, you know, a little bit more like a normal high school year, right? That's correct. Though I think along with a lot of other people, our students are kind of tired of wearing the mask, uh, but we require that backstage, even when they're not performing, they're supposed to be wearing a mask. All of our technicians are wearing masks. Um, and, of course, we're trying to keep distance and things like that. So the whole, her- the whole her- rehearsal process has been wearing masks and mostly six feet apart. 
Um, only our final rehearsals were they allowed to take their mask off. Um, they did, that did present some challenges also in that um, with, with a mask on, it's really difficult to learn how to project and to be loud. Uh, we do have microphones, but it's really true that the, the actor who projects loud, it's easy to catch them on a microphone and to manipulate their sound. If they're not wearing a microphone, if they're not projecting, it's more difficult. Had a little time uh, with you know, sound with the microphone, but on the other hand, it's been nice. We know that we're lucky in Utah and around and in the country, basically, to be able to be in school and to have the opportunities that we're having right now. Yeah, it, interesting. That's interesting you say. That, yeah, it would be hard to to practice projecting with your mask on. But you required mask on until the the final rehearsal. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you talk a little bit about, um, I, I imagine, you, the, well, let me put it this way, uh, you know, it's the creative arts, right? You're, you're, you're creative anyway, but I imagine, uh, this is an interesting, uh, exercise to take the, the students through getting creative about how you present performances. Um, I'm not sure that, that the pandemic has limited how creative we are. Um, some things have been a blessing to us, like online tickets. It's never fun to sell tickets in the lobby, and now we simply cannot. We cannot sell tickets in the lobby. And hopefully that will stay forever. <laughs> we, we really yeah. like that. Um, but in terms of creativity on the stage, um, well, okay, I can say this. With a mask, we can't see their faces very well. And so some actors, we, we keep telling them, use your body. Communicate with your body as much as you can. And that's been kind of advantageous to us to get them to use all the whole tool of the actor, which is body, mind, and voice. Sometimes the body is neglected. And so we're able to say, well, you need to show it with your gestures. You need to show it with your stance and how you stand with your body and how you move. And so um, that's, that's been a little fun to, to, uh, to beef up that skill of the actor. That's um, in terms of technicians, they, they haven't had to be super creative except for just doing what they normally do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. That these are silver linings, right? You can't see the face, so that emphasizes the need to, to use your body in your acting. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Yes. And, and as you mentioned, uh, some things, probably maybe improvements, will come even when the pandemic ends, right? Like maybe we won't go back to selling tickets in the lobby. That's, we hope that's the case, and um, we've been trying to do that for years. Say, oh, but get your tickets online, but still 75% of the people showed up three minutes before the show expecting to get a ticket, and the long line when we're supposed to start the show. So it's been kind of nice to say, you just can't get tickets in the lobby. You have to get them online by law, <laughs> pretty much by law. So... Um, it's been good for us, and that that silver lining has been uh, very uh, glittery and gold. I, mm-hmm. Oh, silver, I guess. Silver, yeah, yeah, glittery there, there and you, silver. There you go. Yeah, uh, I wonder if you'd talk a little bit about um, what the arts does. So, first of all, what what does the arts do? What does drama do for 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 the students? You're immersed in this, you know, teaching uh, drama and having uh, kids experience presenting uh, theater. What what does that do for the kids? Well, we know that nearly all of our students, very few students, will actually 
go into drama like in college or professionally. Um, a lot of our stage technicians actually do go into lighting design or scenic design. Those are pretty easy fields to get into relatively. But actors, they cannot. I mean, uh, they, they sometimes do, um, but we don't really encourage actors to go in acting, and maybe that's bad of me, but uh, we do have a few. But mostly, I think the skills of the actor are used in nearly every profession. So if you're an actor, you've got to be a good communicator, of course. When you're an actor, you've got to pay attention to how things look and how things feel. You've got to work as a team. You've got to take charge of a team. Um, or sometimes you have to be led by a leader. Um, these are all skills that have to be performed well in drama. And acting, of course, is a really great way of teaching these skills and learning them. And so even if an actor is not going to go into acting professionally, they bring all those skills with them to whatever workplace they're going to, and they end up being really great employees and leaders. Do you, For those who do want to go into the arts, um, do you worry that they're will be fewer jobs for them when they when they go? Do you worry about uh, arts organizations going under? Um, you know, I haven't really made that connection, at least in my teaching. I think there are going to be plenty of jobs for lighting designers and sound people, um, either on a stage or I know my son kind of is, has majored in sound and audio, and uh, I think once the pandemic ends, he'll be in demand doing live sound for people or maybe even doing recorded sound for films and TV shows and stuff. Um, actors, actors are a little bit different. I, I really don't discourage acting but uh, as a profession, but it's just um, when you're an actor, you have to be able to uh, just expect a certain kind of life, either traveling around or having two jobs. A lot of people can fulfill their acting bug, as it were, by simply joining the, the various theater communities uh, in, in, or, or theater areas, or theater organizations, sorry, in their communities. And so here in Cache Valley, for instance, we have three really great theaters that all do really great work. And you see many of the same actors in many of the same shows. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, sure. yes, definitely, definitely. Um, interesting. Uh, we just have maybe about a minute to left. Uh, I wonder, get your take on what the arts does for us. Uh, it's interesting. I've, I've asked each of the guests on on the hour today. What's what's your take on that? What does arts do for us? Well, art certainly um, communicates a diversity of things, and I think people who are in the arts or, or watch the arts or view the arts, whether it's drama or painting or sculpture or music, I think they have a better understanding of how humans operate and how they work. And I think that's so important for, for us today in any field, is to learn how humans work and how they operate, to give them a break once in a while and to hold them to scrutiny when they're not being behaving properly, if that makes sense. I think the arts just make us much more aware of what humans are capable of, and, of course, when they fail, it lets us know why they fail and not just that they failed. So we're, I think we're focused on, arts help us focus on the problem, not the person, as it were, 
And, of course, in strictly entertainment sense, in today's world, I think that uh, we're all stressed out at work wearing masks or we're all stressed out dealing with this pandemic. And I think the arts are just a really wonderful way to connect back to other people when we're so isolated and to really reach out and uh, bless the world with ourselves. It's really a great way to do that. Well, that's a great place to end the the program. We're out of uh, time here. David Sidwell, who teaches uh, theater at Green Canyon High School in uh, Cache Valley, has uh, been with us uh, on the program. Uh, David Sidwell, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom, and have a great day. You too. You too. Um, and um, we uh, thank you for listening uh, today. We uh, invite you to join us uh, this evening. Uh, NPR coverage will, uh, will will be going on all day and intensify, of course, when we get into the evening. And UPR coverage uh, will begin at 7 o'clock uh, this evening. We'll be uh, bringing you with the returns as they come in on this election day. Hope you join us then. And, of course, tomorrow in Access Utah, we'll be uh, doing an election recap. Uh, on the program. Uh, Thanks for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is supported in part by our members and USU's College of Agriculture and Applied Sciences, offering a Master of Public Health degree with an emphasis in nutrition-related sciences that may be explored on campus or completed 100% online. Information at mph.usu.edu. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard and streaming online at upr.org.